Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Great to have you back. Simon Leisha here, back in Melbourne, Australia. And it's another update show because there's a lot of things that have been happening that I want to keep you up to speed on. So let's launch right in. The first thing is around Amazon Kinesis Firehose. Now, if you've not uh, played with Amazon Kinesis Firehose, it is really handy because it's a great way to send large amounts of data from one point to another point, typically ingesting uh, streams of data. So it could be things like logs, could be real-time streams of data, sensor information, etc. Really, it's only limited by your imagination. The nice thing about Firehose is you don't have to do really any of the fiddling and um, plumbing. You simply set up the two endpoints, so some sort of input feeding into the Kinesis Firehose API, and then an output, which will typically be something like S3 or Redshift. Now, this all sounds well and dandy, but often there's just a little thing you want to do to that data stream. You may want to cleanse it a little bit. You may want to reformat the data from one format to another. You may simply want to trim out certain parts of it. Well, now you can use AWS Lambda to do exactly that. In fact, you can select an AWS Lambda function from the Amazon Kinesis Firehome Delivery Stream Configuration tab and say, hey, apply this set of functionality, so your serverless functionality, to every input data record and then send the transform data to the destination. Now we have some pre-built ones that include blueprints for very common situations. So Apache logs, uh, converting, I should say, converting Apache logs and system logs into JSON and CSV formats, etc. So you can use them as a basis for how you want to uh, create your own jobs or just use them out of the box. Very, very simple, very, very straightforward. Now, if you're loading data into Amazon Elasticsearch, into Redshift, into Kinesis Analytics, into S3, this is probably the quickest and fastest way to do it. And now with this uh, Lambda capability, you can customize just that little bit that you need to to really fit your use case spot on. Now, often we get uh, hung up on talking about technology and components and building blocks and, you know, as architects, that's cool stuff. But really, it's about outcomes, isn't it? So there was a blog post recently in the AWS Big Data blog written by Ben Snively, who's a solution architect with AWS, around getting insights from IoT in minutes. And in his example, he used AWS IoT, Kinesis Firehose, Amazon Athena, and Amazon QuickSight in combination to bring a large amount of streaming data from devices into one place using Firehose, then having Athena, which is a serverless big data uh, querying platform, and then using... QuickSight, which allows you to do uh, visualization very, very effectively, again, with very little setup and processing. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of the blog because you can read them yourselves. It really is paint by numbers. But what it shows to you is how quickly you can bring together different components to get an outcome really, really fast. And all those friction points in the past, all those long cycle times, etc., are really gone. Um, it was really refreshing to read this blog post and I'll link to it in the show notes because it shows you the art of the possible really quickly. And it's the sort of thing that you could literally do at your kitchen table. It's that simple to get done. But you can imagine applying that to a number of uh, sectors in your own business uh, where you may not be getting answers that you need at the moment. So a really good blog post there. Now, speaking of Athena, there have been a few changes on that front as well. It's continuously being updated and expanding its capability. One of the things it now supports is querying of Avro data. Now, there'll be many of you who will sit there and go, aha, Avro data, I know what that is. And a whole bunch of others will say, what is that? Um, it's basically a data serialization system with support for very rich data structures, schemas, and binary data format. Very popular in the big data space, has a number of advantages. And now uh, you can use Avro with Athena. 
Another change the team has made is they've added support for the open CSV cert, which means you can process CSV files with a customized separator, quote, and escape characters. So even more capable. Also, one of our partner organizations, Looker, um, which is a visualization product, you can now use Looker with Amazon Athena as well. So it gives you some capability there that you might not have had previously. So if you use that tool, Amazon Athena is probably a great match for you as well. Now, right on the update trail of uh, improvements to data visualization and analytics. So we're going to move to Amazon QuickSight. And QuickSight is a really handy way to visualize data from a number of different sources, Athena being one of them. Now, one of the core capabilities of QuickSight is something called SPICE, which is super fast parallel in-memory calculation engine. Um, and these are data sets that drive what you can see and provide a very optimized way to slice, dice, and visualize data. Now, in the past, this would be refreshed on a fixed period of time. Now you can do a scheduled refresh. So you can specify the time zone, the time of day, the frequency. So it could be daily, weekly, or monthly, and the starting date for your SPICE data refresh. It also means you don't have to manually do this. You can easily keep the most up-to-date dashboards out there for your users, which is the way you want it to be. You want people to be operating on accurate data and, of course, timely data. A small but very useful change for AWS Code Commit, so if you're using AWS Code Commit to store your code, funnily enough, commit your code to that service, uh, it now supports AWS Code Commit repositories with Git credentials. So you can specify a static username and password to authenticate over HTTPS. Uh, this means that it helps you with support for the Git CLI uh, or any other Git tool or idea that uses that method of authentication. Uh, it's driven through IAM, our old friend, Identity and Access Management, and it's pretty simple to set up and get going. So I've linked in the show notes a method to do that. So if that's a tool that you use and you want it to integrate more cleanly into your workflow, that's where you can go. Now, one of my favorite services is the Amazon Relational Database Service because it gets rid of that old friend, the undifferentiated heavy lifting of databases. And it's interesting watching all the different database engines that are supported for customers because it's driven by customer demand. Now, one that was added um, a little while ago is support for MariaDB. Now, MariaDB is a very popular open source relational database created by the original developers of MySQL. So obviously, a lot of people who use MySQL are really interested in taking advantage of some of the available features in MariaDB. So how can we make that easier for people to do? Well, now if you're using Amazon RDS for MySQL and you're at version 5.6, you can convert that database snapshot into an RDS for MariaDB 10.1 database with just a few clicks. It's really, really easy. Takes care of all the loading and the setting up, etc., which means you can get up and running really, really quickly. Now, we think this is useful for people who are just doing a full-on migration, but also for people who want to test their application, see if MariaDB suits their purposes. Now, if you also want to create your new RDS for MariaDB instance in another region or even a different AWS account, you can, of course, copy the database snapshot from one region to another region, or you can share the database snapshot between accounts as well. Now, because MariaDB replication is compatible with MySQL, once you've migrated your instance, you can also set up replication between your existing MySQL instance and your new MariaDB instance. So if you want to keep it up to date and do some testing, etc., you can do that too. Lots and lots of mixing and matching and choices, but good to know that you have a migration path if you need it. So we've talked a little bit about databases. Let's talk about containers because that's what all the cool kids talk about. You know, the container ecosystem is big and constantly changing. And of course, one of the things we provide for our customers is the EC2 Container Service or ECS. 
And that takes care of a lot of the management, maintenance, and control over containerization. Now, obviously, when the service launched initially, it was very much around the Linux container ecosystem. Well, now you can also use Windows containers as well. That's in beta at the moment. And it's a really handy cloud formation template that sets up all the bits and bobs that you need. It sets up the ECS uh, services. It sets up a uh, application load balancer. It sets up the EC2 roles and the IAM roles, etc. for you. It's very, very functional and capable and gets you up and running really quickly. So if you are a Windows person and you want to use those Windows images, you can go right ahead. Now, just be aware, um, some of those images are fairly large, so you might need to have larger container instances, so you need to plan accordingly for that as well. Um, but a really good capability, something in beta to have a, a test with and um, get ready for, for prime time with that. Now, I'm going to go back to databases because, you know, I just can't stay away. Uh, one of the tools that is maybe not really well known, but is really handy if you're doing a migration, is the AWS Schema Conversion Tool, or SCT. Now, this is a tool that migrates different database schemas between different database types. So you can imagine if you're moving from, let's say, an Oracle database to a MySQL database or a SQL Server database to an Aurora database or a Postgres database, there's... There's little annoying changes that have to be done to make it work. The schema conversion tool does a pretty good job of changing and automating most of that process. Now, it doesn't always get it 100%, but even if it gets you to 80%, that's 80% of the work you don't have to do. Now, it also will do the conversion of the schema and run a migration using the data migration service for you. So it's kind of like an integrated end-to-end process to make it even more automated if you want to do this on a regular basis. So a nice little piece of integration between two different components that work really well together. Now, the uh, AWS Schema Conversion Tool um, is available for Windows, for Mac, Fedora, and Ubuntu. So you've got lots of choices to where to run it. Really handy tool that gets rid of a lot of the pain of migration. Now, one of the things we often talk to customers about is you know, maintaining good visibility of the cost of what they're doing because you have huge amounts of choice and capability when using AWS to reduce the spend on IT because you can see what's being used for where and why and make a business assessment as to whether it makes sense. Now, we have some really good uh, enhancements so that you can now have a cost allocation tag that is allocated even if you don't have automated rules to do that. So it allows you to have a resource created by tag so that the payer account can see what's going on much more effectively in the cost allocation tags dashboard. Now, this means that you can enforce making sure that you have everything tagged at least in some form, irrespective of whether you're using custom tags or not. And it means you get much more visibility into what's going on there as well. As well, we now allow payer accounts to refresh their user-defined tags on demand from the cost allocation tags dashboard. So this means if a linked account has made a change, they can see that change immediately. There's also an email notification when tags have been refreshed so that the payer accounts can make sure they're keeping themselves up to date. So this is one of a number of different changes that have happened to the cost allocation space that allow you to get much better and more accurate visibility to what's going on in your environment. Hey, who loves conference calls? Not me, yet I'm on a lot of them. And uh, you may have seen there's a video on YouTube a while ago showing you know, if conference calls were real life, what it would be like, and it's pretty darn funny. So there is a new service out called Amazon Chime. And Amazon Chime really has a simple goal, which is frustrating free online meetings that start on time. Simple sentence, really hard to do. But I've been using this service for a while in beta, and I've got to say, it delivers. Uh, this is a really 
effective collaboration tool that allows you to do things like screen sharing, obviously conference calls, online meetings, um, chat with other people, etc. It has some really nifty features. First of which is that you, know, you get very little latency. It's a very slick experience, even when speaking with people across the world, which I do often. Um, but some of the really small things are really nice, like just the list of people who have joined on the site and whether they can hear you or not and how their microphone is working. Avoids that you know, first 10 minutes of the meeting of, hey, who's just joined? Um, another really nice thing is when you're setting up invitations or scheduling at Amazon Chime meeting, uh, you can have it automatically reach out to those people on the call and connect them automatically. So I've actually become quite lazy now because I just expect Chime to ring me when I have a meeting that's coming up using Chime. So a really handy little capability there. So take a look at it. That's Amazon Chime. Uh, link in the show notes. Very, very productive and very, very handy to use. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is games. Because games are cool. Games are fun. We all like games. <laughs> But in particular, I want to talk about the unexciting part of games, which is game hosting, uh, particularly game server hosting, when you're doing session-based multiplayer games. It's hard to scale. It's hard to maintain. Then you've got distributed denial of service attacks. It's very, very tricky. Well, Amazon GameLift takes care of a lot of that for you and makes it really, really easy. One of the things they've recently announced that I think is very, very cool is an addition to the support of what engines that GameLift now supports. So it now supports all C++ and C-sharp engines, including Lumberyard, Unreal Engine, and Unity. So a lot of the popular ones are covered. So that's a really interesting capability if you're doing anything gaming-related, particularly uh, session-based games or multiplayer games, then this is a service you should look for. So hopefully I'm getting you reasonably up-to-date It's always challenging with the number of new things that come out, but um, I do like to try and pick and choose the best, juiciest updates for you. There'll be lots more content coming, lots more diverse content coming as well. We'll be changing some of the release schedule of the podcast as well to increase that, but make it easy for you to figure out which things you'd like to listen to. So I'll give you more updates as they come to hand. As ever, we do love to get your feedback, AWS podcast at amazon.com. And as ever, keep on building.